Are you ready to get dark? Welcome, my brothers and sisters, to John Campia After Dark, the show where, of course, as you know, we talk about alcohol consumption, the use of recreational drugs, casual sex with one or many partners, the show where we talk about stealing your co-worker's lunch from the fridge, and it doesn't matter if his name was on it, because screw that guy. The show where we swear to our moms that we have no idea how those dirty websites got into our browser history. No idea at all. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the stuff that we are here to talk about. Actually, this is just a companion video done live. That's really all this is. But it's awfully good to have you guys here. Welcome to the show. I'm seeing some people saying I really need to have a smoking jacket. You're right. I need to get a smoking jacket. I don't have one. I don't even have a good robe. You know, I was thinking about making a robe. And I didn't even get around to making that robe. And I really totally should. Uh, By the way... If you guys like the thumbnail um, that we have for the John Campy After Dark show today, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Alpha Numerical, Alpha Numerical on uh, on Instagram, who made the thumbnail for tonight's show and sent it out. I thought they did a great job. I thought they did a great job with that thumbnail. I thought it was awesome. I told them immediately, I said, dude, I'm going to use that thumbnail. Damn straight, I'm going to use that thumbnail. So good job with that, man. So yeah, so basically, this is After Dark, where really, it's just a live companion video. We're going to talk about the questions that you guys had sent in for the John Campy show that we never got around to, and we'll interact a little bit here in the live chat as well. So it's good to have all you guys here. So big hello. I mean, we just just started the stream. We've got over 150 people in the live chat. Iron Wolf, Sam, Nikki T, Jesse, Javi, EJ, Master Onion, everybody who's here. Welcome to being here. And by the way, already Lorenzo Jones sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Lorenzo. Appreciate that, man. Good to have you here. And it's good to be here today, guys. So uh, let's spend some time talking about our favorite stuff, shall we? Let's get things kicked off here. We're going to kick things off here a little bit with Dangerous D who writes, Hey, John, did you see episode nine of the second season of Ted Lasso? It was psychedelic. It was a Coach Beard-centric episode. Is it me or is it as if Coach is smoking something that made him hallucinate most of the events, uh, it would explain a lot of things. What did you think? And by the way, Lorenzo sends in another super chat badge. Thank you, Lorenzo. Um, you know what? Let me let me put this let me put this poll in the um, in the live chat right now. Um, did you like the Coach uh, Beard episode? Uh, yes or no? I so the last episode of of um, of Ted Lasso, and I love Ted Lasso. Love, 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 love Ted Lasso. Love that show. I was not a big fan, not the biggest fan of the latest episode, the whole Coach Beard one. It just felt very, and I understand it, John, it's supposed to be weird. I, I know it's supposed to be weird, but I just mean weird. Like it didn't feel like an episode of Ted Lasso, you know? And The whole thing that everybody was trying to figure out a way, everybody in the show is trying to figure out a way to tell Ted that that relationship he's got, I believe her name's Linda, is really, really bad for him. But this whole episode is about him trying to stay in the relationship. I don't know. It was just weird. It's the first episode of Ted Lasso that I watched that I really didn't enjoy it that much. Now, I see what JSOP4 is saying in the live chat, saying Apple uh, did a deal and made them do two extra episodes. I understand that then do two decent extra episodes. Like everybody makes excuses for the amazing Spider-Man 3 with Sam Raimi. Well, but John, Sony made him put Venom in it. Okay, then make a good movie with Venom in it. 
Is it not possible to make a good movie with Venom? Sony's making you use the Venom character in the next movie? Okay, write a good movie with Venom. It's like, okay, you had to do a couple of extra episodes? All right, make them in line with the DNA of the rest of the show. I don't know. Now, you guys are voting right now. 53% of you are agreeing with me that no... You didn't like the last episode of Ted Lasso, but 47% of you are saying you did. So I guess it's kind of split. I guess it's kind of split, but I didn't like it a lot myself, but uh, there's that. And by the way, Lorenzo sends another super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Lorenzo. Appreciate that very much, dude. All right, let's move on here. Next up, uh, we've got uh, uh, Mostly Me writes, uh, John. As I'm watching more of Mayor of Easttown, the show is amazing. I'm really getting Broadchurch season one vibes from it. I, I know all about Broadchurch, but I've never watched it myself, um, which had a similar plot and starred some of my favorite British actors. Not sure if you've seen Broadchurch, but if not, it's not to be missed. Yeah, listen, I've heard a lot of really good things about Broadchurch. I've heard a lot of really good things about it. I've never watched it myself, but it's kind of talked about a lot in the industry. So at some point I have to watch it, but guys, listen, if you guys listen to Mostly Me, if you haven't watched Mayor of Easttown, it's on HBO. It just won a couple of big Emmys, and it deserved them fully. It's amazing. Go and check it out. Kate Winslet's never been better. She's great in it. And by the way, our friend Cass uh, Graphics sends in a super chat badge in the live chat as well. Thank you, Cass. Appreciate that, man. Uh, as does Lorenzo sends another one. Thank you, man. All right. Uh, Lorenzo's staying active here tonight. Thank you, Lorenzo. Next up, Mephisto writes. Uh-oh, what does Mephisto have to say? Mephisto writes. Hey, John and Rob and maybe Aaron, and obviously we're slow, We're flying solo tonight because it's dark time. Okay, can't say how, but I have it on good authority that I'm going to be in the Flash movie, Mephisto. Also, can't say who my source, misspelling source, uh, as Mephisto would, uh, can't say who my source is is but be on the lookout in obi-wan i might have a little cameo oh no i've been found you know nothing bring on the filthy well thank you very much for sharing that mephisto and yeah i think it's pretty safe to say we're not gonna see mephisto in the flash but from everything we're seeing and hearing guys i mean who's not gonna be in the flash i mean every, every time we turn around there's it's the new characters are gonna be in the flash there's gonna be a lot of characters in the flash and by the way i'm not don't run with this. Don't say John Campia said this was happening. I'm just saying I am not going to be surprised. All I'm saying is I am not going to fall out of my seat in shock if Henry Cavill as Superman shows up in The Flash. Don't quote me on that. Don't say John I don't have any sources. I'm just telling you I would not be shocked if Henry Cavill shows up in this in this Flash movie as well. Let's, let's just see how that all turns out, shall we? Let's just see how we, that turns out. All right. Uh, next up, Steve. Pintor writes and sends in like a $50 tip with the question. Steve, thank you so much for sending in that, that much dude and supporting our channel on that level. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Steve writes, John, every now and then I like to remind you that you and your show were there for me when I was homeless and I'm doing a lot better for myself now. I want to thank you so much for everything that you do. I love your show. Been a fan since 2013, Man of Steel. Well, dude, listen, I, I, I am... So I'm always so, number one, amazed, and number two, um, feel incredibly lucky when we hear from a lot of people. You know, Rob and I talk about this a lot. We hear from people all the time. We get messages from people and emails from people and things all the time that says like, like one of the most moving ones ever, and I remember we were still at AMC and I brought this one email to our entire staff and I read it at our staff meeting and all of our staff cried. Um, but 
I mean, this one time we got this message from a guy saying, hey, listen, my nephew died recently. He was, uh, he had this condition. He was dying in hospital and every day the family would be in the hospital with him and we would watch. One of the things we would watch was movie talk and we would laugh and we loved because the, the kid loved comic book movies and they would talk about comic movies and they'd laugh at the show and blah, blah, blah. And um, this dude wrote, and I'm not going to cry right now. Uh, this dude wrote to us to say, you know, his nephew passed away about a week earlier, but just wanted to write to us to say that we were there in the hospital room with them for those X number of weeks. And uh, it brought laughter to the family and stuff like that. And I, I brought, it was a very, very long email and I brought it in to our morning staff meeting and at, at AMC and I read it for everybody and everybody was in tears. Everybody was in tears. And um, it was, uh, and it's just amazing how often we do get those messages. And every day, a lot of you guys remind us that we get to be there with you when you're going through a lot of great things and a lot of not so great things. And it's such an amazing testimony to the power of the movies and the fan community around movies that we can be there as a community, um, as an outlet, as a distraction, if you want, as something to give you a bit of an oasis to focus on something other than the harder circumstances to rejuvenate you to better deal with the harder circumstances. And that is a power that we in the fan community have for each other. And I'm always floored by that. And and thank you, Steve Pintor, for that reminder very, very much. And uh, thank you very much as well for supporting our channel at this point, too. So thank you so much for that, Steve. Really appreciate it. All right. Let's get back into things here. And by the way, Lorenzo Jones sends in another one. Lorenzo's being very active tonight. Thank you, Lorenzo, man. All right. Next up, uh, Preston the Kryptonian writes, Hey, John. Uh, so last week, I dropped a Suicide Squad reference on your super chat, uh, the one where King Shark yells, bird. Oh, I remember this. Uh, when he sees a pigeon, my roommate and I thought it was spot on co uh, comedic timing. It really wasn't because there was no context, Preston. Anyway, I hope you have a good day. Thank you. Yeah. No, you just wrote a comment and then you said bird. And I'm like, okay, bird exclamation point. And by the way, you shouldn't have put an exclamation point from it because King Shark doesn't go bird. King Shark just goes bird. Right. So maybe it's, it was threw me off a little bit, it threw, but thanks for clarifying on that. I appreciate that very much. All right. Uh, next up, we've got an anonymous who writes, Hey John, what's your favorite Tom Berenger movies? Ooh, mine are the uh, substitute and sniper. Two good ones, both underrated flicks. In my opinion, speaking of action, uh, check out the Netflix. I checked, check out the Netflix movie, Kate. I did. I didn't love it. I thought it was pretty good though for a Netflix original that's pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Um, pretty good movie. Also, did you um, did you give away the Loki coat and clock yet? Yes, I gave those I gave those away a, a long time ago. So so those went. Fortunately, I got more, but I did give those ones away. All right, Tom Berenger, um, sniper, good substitute, good. I want to ask you guys in the live chat to throw in what are your favorite Tom Berenger movies? But I'll say my two. One obviously has to do. Um, has to, has to be platoon. I mean, platoon absolutely just has to be one of those, right? I think platoon, I'm not saying that platoon wasn't, you know, that Tom Berger wasn't around at all before that. But I think like to me, at least, and I was really young when that came out, but that's the one that kind of put him like on the, the world stage was platoon. The other one I would say is major league, 
one and two major leagues. I mean, those to me, to this day, those movies are freaking hilarious. I love those. And I'm just looking at the live chat here. Uh, Greg is saying platoon, uh, BK Dan is saying top gun. Tom Berenger wasn't in top gun unless I'm missing something. Am I forgetting Tom Berenger and top gun? Was he like a small role in that? I can't remember. Uh, iron wolf is also saying major league. Lewis is saying platoon, uh, Ross Bristow inception. I don't really count that because he wasn't like the big major player in that, but yeah, that that's a pretty good one too. A lot of them are saying platoon major league. Yeah. So those are my two, my two are going to be platoon and major league. And we don't see enough of Tom Berenger these days. Do not see enough of him these days. All right, next up, we've got Blade who writes, I loved Shang-Chi. Me too, dude. Do you think Death Dealer, the guy with the amazing costume and two knives who trained Shang-Chi and fought him in the scaffolding scene, will ever make another appearance? I think he was so much better than Razor Fist. Ooh, I disagree. Razor, I loved Razor Fist. And of course, Razor Fist, and I'm forgetting... I'm forgetting the guy's name. Guys, uh, the guy who plays Ivan Drago's son in Creed 2, and he played Razor Fist. It's Mato, something like that. If you guys know his actual name, can you guys throw that in the live chat there? I'd appreciate it because I'd love to give the guy's name. Um, Florian, that's right. Uh, Monteo Florian. Uh, the dude, I love this guy. I love this guy. He's big, he's physical. And I really liked, I loved his delivery. I loved his delivery of um, we are the mighty 10 rings. Death dealer dies. Uh, we should work together. I don't know. I, that killed me. His delivery of that line. He didn't have a lot of acting to do in the movie. He didn't have a lot of acting to do in the movie, but that line killed me. And minor spoiler alert, alert. Cause it is a minor, minor de- detail. But yeah, uh, Death Dealer dies. <laughs> so he did. So no, he's not coming back. Listen, the whole purpose that Death Dealer had in the movie was to be a physical representation of the progress that Shang-Chi made since he was a kid. Because we see him as a kid getting beat down by a Death Dealer. And then later in the scaffolding fight, he gets his ass handed to him and he's about to be killed by Shang-Chi. So the whole purpose of that character being in the movie was to be a physical manifestation for us as the audience to see that Shang-Chi has continued to progress even after he left the Ten Rings, right? So, yeah, that was that. But, yeah, I personally like, uh, I did like Death Deal a lot. The makeup was awesome, but I personally like Razor Fist better. That's just me. All right, uh, next up. A beard hunter writes, I swear Andy Serkis is a Doom Patrol reference there. I swear Andy Serkis, Jeffrey Wright, and Pierce Brosnan can grow some of the best beards in Hollywood. Hype that they're part of DC. Did Serkis, Serkis's Alfred have a beard? I, oh, I can't remember. Uh, what did he look like in what you saw? Thanks. And I hope the Maple Leafs can get a win. Yeah, so Maple Leafs opening up the season on Saturday against the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, you know what? They did show us. They did show us some stuff, and we saw at at uh, at uh, CinemaCon in Las Vegas. They showed us a bunch of Batman footage, and we did get a brief glimpse of Andy Serkis's Alfred. And you know what? I cannot remember for the life of me if he was rocking the beard or not. I'm gonna. G- 
I'm going to say no. I'm trying to repaint the picture in my head. I'm going to say no, but I honestly can't remember uh, a lot. I can't remember a lot about that one quick image. I'm going to say no. Now watch, I'm totally wrong about that, but I'm going to say no for now. Uh, Tearful Tin Film says, hey, John, just want to say always a pleasure to hear from you. Well, thank you so much, Tearful Film. I appreciate that a lot, man. All right. Let's keep going here. Uh, Next up, we've got Jay Wentz who writes, Hey, John and co. You probably won't agree with me on this, but I would like uh, to throw a new name in to play Bond. Andrew Koji. I don't see that as a fit. Not because he's Asian. You can easily have an Asian James Bond. I don't care, but I I don't see that as fit. Anyway, uh, from Warrior, he's British, a former stuntman, has charm, uh, looks good in a suit, and is only 33. Could get him... Could get him cheap two thoughts. No, for for James Bond, you need a legit great actor. Because unlike Warrior, now listen, I like Andrew Koji very much. He was one of the few things about Snake Eyes as he played Storm Shadow. He was one of the few things of Snake Eyes that I actually liked. And I love him in Warrior. But in Warrior, I honestly, it doesn't really let us know how good of an actor he is or is not. Because he's got that one kind of attitude in the show. Plus, on top of that, it's just a lot of action. If you're going to be Bond, you have to carry the movie. You got to carry it with your acting. Yeah, there's action stuff, absolutely. But you need to carry that with your acting. And frankly, I have not seen enough from Andrew Koji to make, that makes me as a fan feel confident that he could actually carry it. I, I'm not saying he couldn't. I'm saying I haven't seen evidence that tells me he can. See, that's why I'm more interested in names like, like it's not going to be Idris Elba, but I'm more interested in names like Idris Elba, Elba. Other names that have been thrown in there, like Tom Hiddleston, names like Henry Cavill, because these guys have all shown they are first-rate thespians. They're thespians first and foremost. And while I'm a big fan of Andrew Koji, and I love him in Warrior, dude, I love him in that show, I'm not convinced right now that he could be Bond. That's just me, uh, but we'll see. All right, next up. Thanks for writing that in, Jay Wins. Uh, James L.H. writes, Hey, John, I've seen Shang-Chi four times compared to your seven, so a bit behind. That's all right. But let's be honest, with my Cineworld uh, subscription and your AMC A-list, it's so much easier to see a film you love on multiple occasions. I would never have been able to afford this previously. 100% agree. 100% agree. Uh, by the way, we also got uh, Super Chat badges have come in from our friends Kevin Cow. Thank you. And Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson is here sending in a Super Chat badge as well. Thank you, Robert. Um, absolutely. Listen, I said from the day that AMC A-list launched... I have said, and I still believe, that AMC A-List is the single greatest thing to ever happen to a film fan. Because you're right. I've used my A-List to go see every one of my screenings. The only thing, the only screening I didn't use to go see um, of the four non-press related, because I got to see Shang-Chi at the world premiere, I then got to see it at a press screening, and then I got to see it at CinemaCon. So I didn't have to pay for any of those. I've seen it four times since three of those four times. I saw it with my AMC a list. The only time I saw it that I didn't use my AMC a list 
was when Ann and I rented an entire private theater. So us, a couple of friends and some family got to go and have our own private screening of Shang-Chi. But other than that, all the other three times, A-list, 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 man. It is the, the Cineworld subscription service, the, the Regal Unlimited, AMC A-list. These are the greatest things ever to happen to like real movie fans. Because I see a lot of movies on those cards, man. I see a lot of movies on those cards. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, by the way, Oliver Jamie um, sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Oliver. Appreciate that, man. Okay, let's keep going here. Next up, we've got Great Grabthar's Hammer, who writes, I heartily second the recommendation of A Silent Voice. That's an anime movie that somebody wrote in the other day to recommend, and I've never heard of it, but the sounds of it, Sounded really good. Uh, a beautiful exploration on redemption and how we treat people seeking it. The fact that they employed a deaf actress to voice the female co-lead further enhances the performances. Do watch it. Dude, thank you so much for adding your voice. Uh, for adding your voice to the recommendations of, of that movie, A Silent Voice. I'm just curious if any of you guys seen Silent Voice. Dan Salient in the live chat is saying A Silent Voice is a masterpiece. So it's good to hear. Yeah, I've... Again, I had never even heard of it until somebody brought it up the other day. And since then, I've had a few people write to me. And now Great Grabthar's Hammer is also putting in there saying that it's really, really great. Uh, Dan is also saying it's one of the best movies he's ever seen. Harvey Kung is saying it is gorgeous anime and it's on Netflix. Marcus Y is saying yes. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to put this one. Uh, I think I'm going to have to put this one on my to-do list or on my uh, viewing queue. So thank you again for adding your voice to the recommendations. And by the way, Rachel Knight Online sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat as well. Thank you, Rachel. All right. Next up, we've got James L.H. who writes, John, one of two. With the upcoming films, I wanted to share my favorite films in cinema since they reopened in no particular order. My two, my two surprises were In the Heights and Cruella. Totally agree. I, I didn't care about In the Heights, and that movie's awesome. And I didn't think Cruella looked all that good. And Cruella is delightful. I, I had a good time watching Cruella. I, I really did enjoy that one. Uh, others were Godzilla versus Kong. I, I had a great time with that. Black Widow, didn't love it, but I liked it. Uh, Dream Horse, Tony Collette was great. Still Water. Uh, but my top six so far, The Courier, uh, with Cumberbatch, best performance since the Oscar nom. Nobody, I love Nobody. A Quiet Place 2, still... Maybe my number one favorite film of the year. Not sure. Uh, Free Guy. Delightful, awesome, fantastic Ryan Reynolds movie. After six weeks, Free Guy is still number two at the box office. Six weeks it's been out, and it's still number two at the box office. It's crossed the $300 million mark. Couldn't have happened to a better film. Uh, the Suicide Squad, which I also loved, and Shang-Chi, which I obviously loved a lot because I went to go see the damn thing seven times. All right. Thanks for sending in your list there, James. Appreciate that, man. Next up, Jonathan writes, uh, where are we at? Uh, Jonathan writes, Norm Macdonald is an effing genius. I never knew him as fondly as others, but watching his old jokes, uh, the moth, the moth joke is hilarious. Uh, and the turtle jokes were hilarious. Made me see how witty he is. I saw him in the show, the middle on ABC. I never did watch that show. Remember the show? Not really. Uh, good times. RIP Norm. Yeah. I mean, a number of times over the past week and a half or so, I've a lot of Norm Macdonald videos are coming up in my recommendation list. And I'm spending a good number of a good amount of time watching them. Man, McDonald was so funny. I, I said it after he died, but I'll say it again. I never understood how he was not like A-list, A-list in the comedy world. 
Like the kind of level that like Kevin Hart is at right now and, and Chris Rock. I don't know how Norm MacDonald wasn't on that level or wasn't considered to be on that level. I thought that dude was absolutely hilarious. And by the way, uh, our friend Norvell Ross sends in like a $10 super chat badge just saying thank you. Thank you for that, Norvell. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for supporting us, man. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Jonathan who writes, and apparently Norm MacDonald was part of my childhood briefly as he did a small voice acting in the in the fairly odd parents as Norm the genie. Again, something I've never heard of. I just realized that today and was surprised. Yeah. And of course, I remember him doing the voice of Yafit in the Orville, you know, the Star Trek rip ripoff show, uh, the Orville. So I, I like him as that voice as well. And by the way, Epic Dub Time 23 sends in a super chat badge live chat. Thank you, Epic. Okay. We keep going on here now. Next up, we got BK Dan who writes, John, if this strike does happen, of course, earlier today we talked about the IATSE potential strike. And if this strike happens, guys, no hyperbole. The entire entertainment industry shuts down. It all shuts down. TV, movie production, it all stops if this strike actually happens. Anyway, if the strike does happen, would we still get movies already finished? Is it just a halt on those productions or a complete shutdown? No, any movie that's already done, like movies that are done and in the can and they're just waiting to be released, those will all still happen because that at that point, all the union stuff is out of it. So it's it doesn't that, that stuff doesn't matter. So no time if the strike happens tomorrow, no Time to Die is still coming out. Dune is still coming out. Uh, Halloween Kills is still coming out. Like all these movies are done and they're finished and they're ready to go. So, but any movie that's still in the process of production, done. I mean, they'll pick back up once the strike ends, if a strike does happen. But if a strike happens, they all get halted, dude. They all get halted. Uh, by the way, uh, Jace and BK Dan both send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you guys. Appreciate that. Um, all right, BK also writes in, John, did you see that Willie Garson, yeah, I did see this, died at age 57. I originally met him on Star on uh, Stargate SG-1 as the conspiracy theorist, uh, conspiracy theorist alien. You know what? I don't remember. I, I, look, when, when news came out of Willie Garson dying, um, I never... I, it didn't hit me much because I, I don't think I've ever seen anything with him in it. Now, I've watched Stargate SG-1. I do not remember him in it, to be honest with you. And I know he was in some very big and popular shows, but they were all shows that I never saw. So I never brought it up as an issue on the John Campion show because I don't want to be disingenuous. You know, I, I didn't I wasn't familiar with him and I wasn't familiar with his work. So I didn't want to be disingenuous on my show and talk about, oh, what a tragedy that that he passed away when I didn't know anything about him, to be honest with you. Uh, but for those of you who did were familiar with his work and did like his work, I mean, obviously that's, that's a loss. Um, again, I just didn't want to pretend to feel a loss when I wasn't personally familiar with his work, but I'm sure a lot of you guys were. And I might have to go back and look up who he was in Stargate SG-1. It's been a beat. I got to admit, it's been a beat since I've seen Stargate SG-1. It's been a little while. I used to love that show, but it's it's been a, it's been a while since I watched the original series. I should go back and watch it sometime. All right, uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Mike Rustica. Uh, no, so uh, Rusetta. Mike Rusetta writes, "Hey John, so 
Warner Brothers released the title for Fantastic Beasts 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which we talked about a little bit earlier today on the John Campus Show. However, in their announcement post, there were a lot of comments about passing on the movie because of the replacement of Johnny Depp. How much can this really impact the box office? Almost none. It'll, it'll have almost no impact on it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's going to have the same impact on it and all those people who said they were going to boycott Captain Marvel and that movie made over a billion dollars. Now, that being said, that being said, let me just bring something up here. Uh, uh, Walt, uh, box office. These movies don't make hyper tons of money as it is, Right? These movies don't make the billion dollars that some of the Harry Potter movies were making. So Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald ended up making, now this is still a very good number, but it ended up making $654 million, all right? Which is really good, but a far cry from the billion dollar marks that some of the Harry Potter movies were hitting, right? Not to mention the popularity of these movies has been waning. So let me just look up uh, Fantastic Beasts. Let me just pull this up. So the first Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, uh, it made $814 million. Still not the billion dollar club, right? But the first Fantastic Beasts movie made $814 million, okay? Crimes of Grindelwald took a massive dip about what what is it like a 160 million dollar dip to 654 million dollars so and and the movie i like crimes of grindelwald personally personally i like that movie i remember i remember me and cody miller went to go watch it so we went to see an early screening at a special imax presentation and we both came out and we both really had a good time with it but a lot of people did not like that movie and so you, and a lot of people didn't really like the first Fantastic Beasts either. So not only is Fantastic Beasts a movie series that hasn't been living up to the box office of the Harry Potter movies, it's a franchise that's been in decline. So even without the Johnny Depp drama, you know, I said on this show, around the time when they announced the start of production, so over a year ago, I said on this show well over a year ago, that I expect the next Fantastic Beast movie probably to come in around the 400 and something million dollar range. And that has, that was before the Johnny Depp drama. This has nothing to do with Johnny Depp. Like this is a franchise that's already been on this trajectory, box office wise. The fans have not been loving it like they love the original Harry Potter movies. And so, and we've already seen a steady decrease in the box office from 800 and something to 600 and something. And I believe that the next one is going to make 400 and something. And add on top of that, the Johnny Depp thing, I still think it's going to make 400 and something. Look, the, the Johnny Depp contingent in this is a relatively small and very vocal group. And more power to them. I mean, if, if you're a fan of something and you want to be supportive of it, more power. Support it. Absolutely. But do I think it's going to have an actual, real, tangible impact on the box office? No. No. Any more than all those people who said they were going to boycott Captain Marvel didn't impact it at all. 
The movie still made over a billion dollars. But I don't think this movie's going to be a hit. I think it's going to make in the $400 million range, which is great for a lot of movies. That's great for a lot of movies. But it's going to be a, the continuation of the, of the slide and the descent unless by some miracle this movie is like ridiculously fantastic and everybody loves it. Other than that, we've seen the trajectory, man. That's just been the trajectory before the Johnny Depp drama. So no, I don't think it's going to have any impact, to be honest with you. Uh, by the way, um, Hachiko sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. As well does Francisco Gomez also sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat saying, keep it up. Well, thank you very much, dude. I appreciate that. Um, okay. Let's keep going on here. I'm, I'm curious, though. I'm curious. Uh, let me, let's put up another poll here, okay? Let's put up another poll. Uh, will Johnny Depp stuff Im, uh, let me rephrase that seriously impact Fantastic Beast 3 uh, box office. Let me ask you, I, I'm saying I don't think it will. I'm thinking this movie's only going only gonna to make about 400 and something million dollars as it is. I think it's only going to make about 400 and something million dollars as it is. Maybe you guys think it will do better and make more. Um, I don't think it will. Uh, so I put a poll in there for those of you guys watching in the live chat. I, I, I put in the poll right there. Right now, uh, we've only got about 100 votes so far, but right now 78% of you are saying, no, you don't think it's going to have an impact. 22% of you are saying yes. So, I mean, we'll see. If Look, if Fantastic Beasts 3 comes out and makes like $200 million. Then I'll say, hey, you know what? The Johnny Depp thing probably had an impact on it. But if it makes in the 400 range, which is where I've been saying for well over a year that I think it's going to probably come in there, continuing that same trajectory of the box office, uh, even though I like the last one, uh, if it comes in around the $400 million range, then to me that makes it obvious that no, it didn't have any impact on it. But hey, that's just my stuff too. And, you know, so, uh, Fanjecture, how you doing, Fanjecture, by the way? Good to see you, man. Um, Fanjecture in the live chat also reminds us that it's not just the Johnny Depp stuff. There's also been a lot, a bunch of J.K. Rowling controversy as well. And again, I don't think that's going to have a major impact either, but it's just another thing, right? It's another thing on top of it. So it's Fantastic Beast 3 has a bit of an uphill battle in front of it. It's going to be interesting to see how it copes with all of that. All right. Uh, and then Brooks family is saying, John, you're a beast. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, let's see next up. We've got, uh, Matt B who writes, even though you expect Dune's box office to falter in the U S because of HBO max, I do. Uh, do you think the success overseas at least helps Warner brothers see that the interest is there and pushes to get the sequel into production or will awards be the bigger factor in the decision? I'm going to tell you what. I will 100% guarantee there's going to be a Dune sequel. 100% guarantee. And it has nothing to do with how badly Warner Brothers has screwed this movie over. It's going to all be about Discovery. Discovery is going to greenlight a sequel. When Discovery takes over Warner Brothers in the first quarter of 2022, once Discovery takes over Warner Brothers, they will greenlight a sequel. So I don't even care about what the existing leadership, the existing leadership at Warner Brothers might greenlight it anyway before they lose their jobs. 
they might green light, they might do it on their own. They might green light Dune 2 even before Discovery takes over. But I feel, and I can't say why, but I feel 100% confident that once, if, if Warner Brothers hadn't already greenlit Dune 2 by the time, or at least part two, by the time Discovery takes over, one of the very first things Discovery is going to do once they own Warner Brothers is greenlight the second part of Dune. So, yes, I don't think we have to worry about getting a, a second Dune. I think that's going to be taken care of. At least, we hope so. All right, thanks a lot for that, Matt B. Next up, Ben Donnelly writes, Hey, John, I know you didn't like the first episode of Marvel's What If. Yeah, not all that much. Uh, but they have really improved and evolved the show since then. Have they? Have they, though? I'm not so convinced they have. Uh, it's not just a rehash of the plots of the original movies anymore. Really? That Killmonger one? It's still Killmonger, still doing the same thing he was doing, except he went about it a little bit of a different way. A anyway, uh, it's not just a rehash of the plots of the original movies anymore. I'm actually really enjoying it. I got to tell you, I personally think What If has been a bit of a bust. I think What If has been a bit of a bust. Now, I love the episode where Hank Pym takes out the Avengers. Never underestimate the power of a super genius. I loved the Doctor Strange episode. Those two episodes were fantastic. But that's two episodes out of seven. It's two episodes out of seven. The Agent Carter one was off to a bad start. I thought the zombies one was a major missed opportunity. Like that, that could have been awesome. That whole zombies one could have been completely awesome. But I thought that was a missed opportunity. The Killmonger one... I thought was awful. And I really didn't like, even though Thor is like my top two or three favorite characters in the MCU, I really did not like this, this party bro Thor episode they just did. It wasn't funny at all. Now, I'm not saying everybody thinks that way because obviously I did the, this morning on the John Campus show, like Rob was saying, Rob, like Rob really did like that Thor episode. He liked it a lot. I'm sure a lot of you guys did too. But I personally thought it, uh, I thought it was terrible. Uh, I thought it was terrible. Um, and so for me, I'm going to say that what if is two wins, four losses and one draw. So the two wins are the Hank Pym and the, um, Dr. Strange ones. The four losses are, uh, dude, bro, Thor, the Killmonger episode, um, the, uh, the zombies episode and the captain Carter episode. And then the draw is the, um, uh, T'Challa as star Lord one. That one was all right. That one was, I, I see that was the second episode. The T'Challa as star Wars as a star Lord one was the second episode. And I had already kind of given up on what if after the captain Carter episode. And then I watched the T'Challa and I'm like, okay, there's some potential here. There's some potential here. But to me, they've only had really two, two really standout episodes out of seven episodes. That's not a good win percentage. That, that win percentage will have you in last place in a lot of sports leagues. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll finish strong. But um, so, so far... Yeah, I'm I'm not big. I to me, I personally consider what if to be a bit of a bust right now. But I, who knows? Let's see how the let's see how the next uh, round of uh, episodes go. But that's just me. Okay, next up, 
Uh, We've got Tochi Victor who writes, Hey, John, just messaging to ask you what you think about the Diaz-Lawler fight. Uh, That that fight's going to be fireworks, dude. Those are two guys who like to walk to the middle of the ring and throw bombs. And listen, and like Lawler is a little bit more of a brawler. Nick, he's a brawler too, but he's also more of a boxing tactician. Like everybody, they just think of the Diaz as these guys who just go in there and they're wild. Listen, the Diaz is both brothers, Nate and Nick, but Nick in particular is a tactician of a boxer. He's got tactician-like striking. And I think it's a really good style matchup, and I cannot wait to watch that fight. That fight is going to be awesome on Saturday night. Anyway, also, any thoughts you may have on 266? Can't wait to watch this at my local AMC. Keep bringing on the filthy. It's a stack card. I mean, you got, uh, first of all, you've got... um, uh, Valentina, just the ballerina assassin, Valentina Shashenko, one of the two most dangerous women alive. Her and Amanda Nunez have to fight again at some point. You got the title fight up there at the top as well. You got Hooker fighting in the prelims, for heaven's sakes. It's going to be an awesome card. I just cannot wait. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, let's see here. When let me see some of you guys talk. Iron Wolf is saying Nick is going to KO Lawler again. I don't know. It's been a while since Nick's been in the cage, man. So we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Crashing Coyote saying Lawler versus Diaz is five rounds. I think so too. I think it's going to go all five rounds. I think both of these guys are going to be bloody and beaten, and they're still going to be throwing bombs when the last bell goes. I think this fight's going to be awesome, man. I really do. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Ryan who writes. Hey, John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here right now. Did you see the trailer for Dutch for the Dutch film, The Forgotten Battle? No, I did not. Uh, coming to Netflix October 15th, starring Harry Potter's Tom Felton. I do like him. It looks incredible. Gave me Band of Brothers vibes. What are your thoughts on it? Thanks for bringing on the filthy. Well, unfortunately, Ryan, I can't give my thoughts on something that I'm not aware of. So I can't really tell you that I'm excited about it. I've never even heard of it. So I certainly never seen the trailer, but I'll tell you what, thank you for putting it on my radar. And you guys in the, uh, in the live chat here, uh, any of you guys see the uh, trailer for the forgotten battle? If so, let me know what you think. By the way, I'm in the live chat there. Uh, Shuvi V is asking, when do I see venom? I'm seeing venom on Tuesday. So uh, Tuesday is when I'm going to go in and watch venom. Now I'm not going to be able to talk about it once I see it because it's still going to be under embargo. And listen, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm very, very excited uh, about Venom. We heard the, the first public screening of it was in the UK. People raved about it. Comicbookmovies.com called it the ultimate Marvel movie. That all sounds great. And I'm very, very excited about it. I'm, you guys know I'm super excited about Venom too. Amazingly excited. But when I got the invitation from Sony to come on out and watch an early screening of it. I noticed that the review embargo was for Thursday. The day the movie comes out, the day the movie comes out, that movie comes out in theaters nationwide next Thursday evening. And the review embargo isn't until Thursday morning. Now, look, I'm not ignoring the fact that an early audience already saw it and they loved it, that a couple of outlets have talked about it and they said it's like the ultimate Marvel movie and all that kind of stuff. 
I'm hearing great things. I'm super excited about it. I've been hearing for over a year that Sony is very confident in this movie and all that kind of stuff. But guys, my brothers and sisters, you know me. A movie that does not re- like lift its review embargo until like 24 hours or in this case, like 12 hours before the movie actually opens because they want to hide the reviews from the audience. That's a big red flag. It's the first red flag I've ever heard coming out about Venom, but I'm not going to lie to you, brothers and sisters. When I saw in that email, I had to do a double, I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does that say the review embargo is Thursday morning? The day the movie opens? Uh, now, Paul Keegan in the live chat here. Paul Keegan in the live chat. He's being the optimist. He's being the optimist. He's saying, I say it's because of spoilers. Okay, that's a possibility. But here's the thing. The critics aren't going to spoil it. Huh, unless you're Forbes. But, <laughs> and I like Forbes. Don't get me wrong. I do. I like Forbes. But, um. Like, the critics aren't going to be the ones to spoil it. The critics aren't the ones jumping online. Hey, everybody, did you know that in blah, 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 it's not the critics, not the professionals who are going to do that. They just showed it to a public audience in the UK, right? I don't know. All I'm saying is there have been a couple of circumstances. There have been a couple of occasions when a movie has lifted a review embargo extremely late and the movie still turned out to be pretty good. But dudes, that's rare. That's rare. It has happened. And maybe that's what's going to happen here. I certainly hope so. Because you guys know I've been like, Venom 2, Venom 2. You guys know I've been like going nutty about Venom 2 ever since I saw the first Venom. Because I love the first Venom. And I'm ecstatic about seeing Venom 2. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. I I got worried, and I am worried when I see that the review embargo is the day the movie comes out. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. They like that Venom 2, Venom 2. Yeah, that's kind of me. That's kind of me. Uh, Iron Wolf is saying in the live chat, he thinks Venom 2 will make more than Shang-Chi. God, I hope so. That would be a great sign. That would be a great, great sign. So... Let's be, I'm going to try to be optimistic, guys. I'm going to try to be optimistic. All right, next up, James Loves Blondes writes, one of two. Hey, John Rob, obviously Rob's not here. The other day, you guys were talking about Daniel Craig's Bond statements. I think the other 00 agents should form a union and complain. Like, we do cool shit shifts too. Shouldn't they try to build a 00 franchise instead of just 007 movies? I don't think so. Uh I mean, the opportunities for diverse storytelling for double O agents is basically endless. Why use a white undercover spy in Africa? Uh, some of the bad guys would probably say uh, this white guy in the middle of this drug smuggling operation is a bit odd. Thanks. Yeah, look, but here's the thing. Um, what's the point of making double O? Listen, people are not fanatics for double O movies. Double O movies have not endured for decade after decade after decade. Double O movies are not like right up there in the pantheon and the halls of the great film franchises. James Bond movies are. 
And quite to me, look, I don't hate the idea of making other, like do a movie about 005, do a movie about 009. Okay, but at that point, you're just making another spy movie and it doesn't have to be associated with James Bond at all. Like you might as well just make the, a, a movie and call it Cliff. Cliff! Well, what's this movie about? He's a spy. He's Cliff the spy. Because it's just, it's just as well, right? People are not fanatical about double O movies. People are fanatical about James Bond. About James Bond. So you could try to do a spinoff. And, and call it the double O's or something like that. And maybe there might be some merit there. But at that point, I'm just asking myself, well, what's the point? Wouldn't it just, it's just another movie at that point, right? It might just be, you know, it just might be another movie. It's just another spy movie. So I don't really personally see the point of it, but hey, there's that. By the way, uh, Sh- uh, Shuey V sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Shuey V. Appreciate that. As does Alan S. Alan S. also sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that very much. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jose JG in the live chat is putting 005 Peter Bond. There you go. Right there. 005 Peter Bond. All right. Next up, we go over to... Tim Tracy, who writes, Hey, John, got a theory slash question. What if Disney and Sony up their deal the way they did with Spider-Man? That way, Sony gets the distribution money and Disney gets all the characters to play with, including Venom, Vulture, not to mention countless others. I mean, yeah, no, that's, that is one of the possibilities on the table. It's kind of one of the things they've been trying to do. But then you got to ask yourself, if you're Sony... Wouldn't it be better if you just had them all to yourself? Wouldn't it be better for you to build your own franchise? Because look, I know the cool thing. Ooh, the cool kids. You know, Marvel's where it's at. Sony doesn't know what they're doing. I'm sorry, you're wrong. You're wrong. The best Spider-Man movies of all time, the top two best Spider-Man movies of all time were not made by Marvel. They were made by Sony. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Those are the two. It's all subjective, of course, but I'm just saying it from my own personal point of view. Those are the two best Spider-Man movies ever made. They're both better than Homecoming, Far From Home, and probably will be better than No Way Home, although I am very excited about No Way Home. John Watts has done a terrific job directing these movies. I really do like Homecoming and Far From Home very, very much. But Sony has been kicking some ass lately. They really have. And I just watched another one of their movies at CinemaCon a few weeks ago, and it was really damn good. And I don't care what anybody else says. I fucking love Venom. I love that. I was so, I am so thoroughly entertained by that movie. I don't care what anybody else says. I am, every time I sit down and watch that movie, I am thoroughly entertained. I got a smile on my face and I'm watching the movie and I'm eating my snacks or whatever, and I'm just having a great time. Um, if you're Sony, why wouldn't you want them back under your own roof? Why wouldn't you want them back under your own roof? And if you're Kevin Feige, do you want to keep, every time you use one of the Spider-Man characters, do you really want to have to get approval from the Sony execs? Because that's what they got to do with Spider-Man. The Sony execs have to approve everything that they do with Spider-Man in the, um, in the MCU movies. And I know Kevin Feige doesn't like doing that. I think the results have been two really good movies in Homecoming and Far From Home, but 
He doesn't want to do that. So it is an option. It is an option. And they very well could extend the deal. And I, I'm as a fan, I'm perfectly good if they extend the deal. I do think, though, it is more likely that sooner rather than later, Spider-Man's going back over to Sony. And I think that's exciting because it means now that we're going to get more movies for all of us. You know, Marvel's going to continue to make tons and tons of movies, and now Sony's going to be able to crank out more movies, and it just means more content for us. And while it is true that Sony has made the worst Spider-Man movies, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, they've also made the best Spider-Man movies. And I've seen a couple of their movies lately that have also been very, very good. And I'll tell you what, I'm good with that too. Again, I, it's just, if you're Sony, why not have the whole pie instead of just sharing a part of the pie? And I think I, that's the reason I think it's going to head that way sooner or later. But we'll see, man. We'll see. That's definitely still a possibility though, Russell. It totally is. Or Tim, I should say. All right. Russell Amador writes, um, Hey, John. The other day I was telling my wife, Andrew and Toby might appear in No Way Home, and she's probably heard enough of me ramble over these past few months of Marvel of Marvel because she straight up said, let me guess, as variants. That's my wife for you. Hey, listen, when your wife can pull out the word variants and she knows what she's saying and says that to you, that means, congratulations, Russell, you're in a very good marriage. I just want to say that. Congratulations. You are in a very good good marriage. That's uh, that's a good one. You got yourself a keeper there, man. You got yourself a keeper. Okay, next up. Uh, Island Boy writes in, Hey, John, after watching your tech stream, of course, last Friday, I, I did, uh, we did our entire John Campy episode talking about the tech that we use to make the show. And we took your questions about tech. It was really, I had a really good time doing that show. So thank you guys for, for being there with me for that. After watching your tech stream, I was wondering in general, what part of your daily show preparation is your favorite to do? As always, thanks for the top quality content. Also, can't wait for my bucks to face your pats in Foxborough. It will be spicy. Dude, I'm telling you, what, I'm torn. I'm torn when the Patriots play the Bucs. Because, of course, I, I mean, I've been a Patriots fan before Tom Brady was quarterbacking for them. But, you know, you, can, you can't be in love with a quarterback for 14 years and then not continue to completely love him and follow his career. Tom Brady is the goat of goats. All hail Tom. He is the goat of goats. And so I am watching and cheering for the Buccaneers. Actually, I'm going to be going to the L.A. Rams against the Buccaneers game this Sunday. It's going to be the first NFL game I go to in years. But Ann and I are going to go to the Rams versus the Buccaneers game this Sunday at the new SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And uh, even though I love the Rams, I'm going to be cheering for Tom. And I'm I'm not going to lie to you. My heart's going to be a little bit torn when the the Patriots, who are just terrible right now, uh, they've got finally got a good quarterback again. Now they got rid of Cam. But... Uh, I'm going to be a little bit torn, dude. I'm going to be a little bit torn. Um, as far as what is my favorite part of my prep, dude, listen, my favorite part of the show is doing the show. I, I don't love doing the prep. I don't love the hours of 
going through news stories and reading through all the messages and all that kind of stuff. I don't love the writing out the show notes and, you know, designing the graphics we want. I don't love having then put together the stuff I got to send out to Rob and Ray in the evening so they can do their prep and Ray can do all stuff. I don't like having to get up super early in the morning to double check all the newest news feeds because the East Coast is three hours ahead of us. So even though it's only 7 a.m. here, it's 10 a.m. over there and new news stories are coming out. I don't like doing any of that stuff. That's the work part of it. What I love doing is this part. I love taking all that preparation. I love taking all the work that we've done and then actually sitting down for two hours and doing the show and talking about our favorite stuff with you guys. That's the part I love. The other part, I'm not going to lie, is work. I don't love it. It's just that it's got to be done. For me to do the part that I enjoy, I got to do the part that I don't enjoy right? There's a good saying in life that says, do the things you need to do so you can do the things you want to do. Tattoo that shit on your chest. Do the things you need to do so you can do the things you want to do. Too many people these days uh, in my generation and younger too many people these days want the America, you know, uh, Americans got talent kind of life. They want oh, just somebody's going to come along and give me what I want kind of life, right? We we live in a very, very lazy culture. People don't want to work. People don't want to put in the effort to get to their goals. Everybody's got goals, but not enough people want to put in the work to get their goals. They just sit and wait for somebody to come along and give it to them, and they go, oh, boo-hoo, woe is me, when somebody doesn't just come along and give them their goals, right? You got to put in the work. And, you know, that's one thing that my father, I think, instilled in me and all my siblings, there were four of us, I think he instilled that in all of us. Like, he he just instilled a lot of work ethic. But anyway, long story short is, I would love to sit here and tell you that every day for me is lollipops and rainbows. Um, You know, lollipops and rainbows and Jennifer Garner giving me reach arounds. I'd love to tell you that that's all life is for me, that every day from the moment I wake up, I love every single thing that I do. I, I, I don't love every single part of it. A lot of it is monotonous. Like you guys will see me put up pictures, right? Let me see if I can pull this up here. Give me, give me one second. You guys will see me put up pictures and don't get me wrong. I like this part. I do. Uh, I like this part, but you guys will see me put up pictures like this, right? You'll see me put up pictures like, Hey, I'm, I'm sitting in the backyard. Uh, I got a, I got a drink in my hand and I'm writing out the next day show notes. Okay. You might think that looks great. And sure. It does. But when you have to do that for three hours a night, every single night, it's it's a little monotonous. It's a bit of a grind. Sometimes I wish I could just be back, you know, when I was younger and I would work road construction. I would do like, or I'd be back in the law firm. Man, I would love to be working on, on an affidavit right now. Oh my God, I would love to be working on an affidavit right now. But instead I got to sit there for the, for that block of hours and just write that it's work, but you do the things you need to do so you can do the things you want to do. And for me to be able to put on the show that I want to do with the with the production value that we have, with the information that we have, with the graphics that we use and all that kind of stuff. That means I got to put in seven, eight, nine hours or more of prep work to do it. 
And while I love the question saying, which part of the prep do I love the most? I'd be lying to you if I, if I said anything other than I don't love any part of the prep work. I don't love it. I do it because it's what needs to be done so I can do the part that I do love, which is this part. And the same is true for anything you do in life, man. Do the things you need to do so you can do the things you want to do. That's, uh, I think that's a great saying. Anyway, uh, thanks for that, guys. All right. Uh, anyway, the Jughead One sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Jughead One. I appreciate that, man. All right. Let's move on here. Next up, uh, Cheese Man writes, so Star Wars Visions is awesome. What did you think? I still haven't watched it yet. Listen, they sent me, did you, I don't know if you guys, if I told you guys this or not. Um, they sent me the screeners for all of Star Wars Visions weeks ago. Weeks ago. They sent me all the uh, Star Wars Visions episodes. So about four or five days ago, Ann and I sit down because I because I said, hey, oh, I almost forgot, baby. Like, I've got Star Wars Visions. We should sit down and watch this. And we're like, yeah. So Anne makes a charcuterie board or shark coochie. <laughs> shark coochie. Charcuterie board. Do you guys know what a charcuterie board is? Delicious. I mean, a charcuterie board, this big wooden plank, and we put on some cold meat, some prosciutto. We put on the salami, uh, whatever. Then we get the, a bunch of different types of cheeses. We cut up the cheeses. We put that out, slap some crackers on it, and pours a couple of glasses of wine. I don't really drink, but she does buy this one brand called Stella Rosa, and I can drink Stella Rosa once in a while. Generally speaking, I don't like the taste of alcohol. But so, and goes through all this work, right? And goes through all this work. And she puts together this shark coochie board. And Gus went a lot great. And we sit down to watch Star Wars Visions. All excited. Here's the problem. We start playing it. And all the dialogues in Japanese, which is fine, except that the subtitles were like, okay, we'll just watch it with subtitles. The subtitles were all in Spanish. I don't know if you know this about me. I don't speak Spanish. I speak a little bit of Italian. I'm okay at English, but a little bit of French because, you know, I did take French for like seven years in school. I don't know a lick of Spanish. Buenos dias. That's about it. There you, there you go. You got cinco. That's it. That's, that's, that's all the Spanish I got. So... Here we are. We got some shark coochie in front of us. Glass of wine that I don't even really like all that much anyway. And makes the big board. We're settled in. Got the screen up. I'm waiting to watch it. Japanese dialogue, Spanish subtitles. They sent me the wrong links. They sent me the wrong viewing links. Um, so, yeah. It's, um, I never did getting around, I never did get around to watching it. And, and Brooks is saying, John, you can, you can go up to subtitles and dub it. No, 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 you can't. This, this isn't the same one. This is these links, these special advanced links that they send to us is not on Disney plus like it is for us now where, yeah, you could do that in Disney plus. You cannot do that for the screener stuff that they send us. They simply straight up sent me the wrong ones. And I didn't complain Right, because they were doing me a solid by sending them to me. So I didn't complain. I just thought, all right, I'll wait the extra days to start watching. But I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. 
So uh, Anne and I are very excited to watch uh, Star Wars Visions, but we just haven't gotten to that. I hear nothing but good things about it, though. I hear nothing but good things about it, though. So, um, all right. That's that's that. So I hope that answers that, Chessman. Shark Coochie, guys. Shark Coochie. All right, next up. Mr. 47 writes, I just got done binge-watching this Korean show called Squid Game. Never heard of it. On Netflix. And I got to say, anyone who has Netflix can stomach extreme violence should watch this show. Amazing social commentary on wealth, class, and survival of the fittest. I have never heard of Squid Games. But, I mean, have you mentioned, like, Netflix has really gotten into the Korean content stuff, like right all the way to Kingdom. And you guys watch Kingdom, that that like period piece zombie show? That period piece zombie show? It's really good. We got AC Buckland in the live chat is saying Squid Game is freaking awesome on episode three. I've never even heard of it. I've never even heard of it. James Fan knows what's up. He's saying that Kingdom is amazing. Kingdom is awesome. Harvey King is saying it's the new Battle Royal. Yeah, I mean, I by the way, it's been a beat since I went went since I went back and watched Battle Royal. Good morning, students. It's a beautiful day for killing. Anyway, but no, I never heard of Squid Games. I will thank you for putting that on my radar. I will keep my eyes open for it. All right. It sounds like a uh, seafood cooking show, but I will keep my eyes open for it. All right. Steve James writes. Hey, John, I hope you're having a great day. I have had a great day. Thank you. So my question is, who do you think is doing a worse job as CEO, Bob Chapek or Adam Aaron? Adam Aaron, CEO of AMC. In my personal opinion, uh, an absolute jackalope. Every single thing I see him doing is stupid. And the only reason AMC Theaters is still alive right now, and by the way, AMC Theaters is my favorite movie theater chain. They are my go-to movie theater of choice. But that being said, and I worked with AMC for years. I got a very warm spot in my heart for AMC, obviously. But their current CEO is an absolute jackalope, in my personal opinion. And the only reason AMC is still in business today is because they got fucking lucky remember when the big stock thing happened when they memed the stock of amc that had nothing to do with amc they just got damn ass lucky and they were able to sell new rounds of stock and make billions of dollars and that is why amc is still in business they laid off thirty thousand people and adam aaron gave himself a nine million dollar bonus for laying off thirty thousand people I could go on, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to stay positive. Uh, but no, I think um, I think Adam Aaron has done the worst job, but that's uh, just me. By the way, uh, Shway V sends in another Super Chat badge. Thank you, man. And Sean Nicholson sends in a Super Chat badge as well. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that, dude, very much. All right. Next up, Xavier Prime writes, I feel like it was actually Sam Beckett that got you to watch Heroes uh, that day so you would meet slash marry Anne and create the John Campia show been a fan for about four years now and you and you all continue to entertain and inspire much love and thank you all well thank you so now what Xavier Prime is referring to is of course heroes uh, one of the stars of heroes is of course let me see if I can bring him up is of course the great Milo Ventimiglia um Heroes is, of course, uh, the star, the guy who pl- that played the main guy, he played Peter Petrelli uh, on Heroes. And now he's, you know, getting Emmy nominations for This Is Us and everything. 
is uh, Milo Ventimiglia. So, what happened was when I watched Heroes, that was my first exposure to Milo Ventimiglia. Right? It was it was my first exposure to him, and I was a big fan. And I'm I don't know if you guys have seen this picture before. Um, let me see if I can find it. I don't know if I still have the image or not, but I got to go. I, I don't, I don't have the right picture here right now, but anyway, um, I later got to, first of all, my, here's Milo, uh, and me and a couple of the other guys from heroes. This is at one of the parties that I threw at comic-con and the guys from heroes came. This is the day that Zach Quinto, the, the, the guy sitting on my immediate left, that Zachary Quinto, this picture, true story, guys, this was the actual day that they announced that Zachary Quinto was going to be the new Mr. Spock in the upcoming Star Trek movies. So earlier that day, they had made the announcement that he was going to be the new Mr. Spock in Star Trek. So anyway, uh, Milo was there. The other guys came as well. And then a little while later, two of my buddies, um, uh, Mark Neville Dean and Brian Taylor, they were produ- they written and were producing this movie with Milo Ventimiglia called Pathology. And they invited me out. I think it was, where were they shooting that? It was somewhere in LA. Anyway, they invited me out. I got to be on set. I got to hang out with Milo for the day and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, at that point, so I was a fan of Milo. That's why, you know, they came to my party and that's why I got to go visit the set of his movie afterwards and all that kind of stuff. And so, Afterwards, when they finished making the movie Pathology, they asked me if I would help organize like a rap party with and invite some other online movie pundits to come and hang out to help promote the movie. So I said, sure. Now, Milo had his own online social club called the DSC, the Divide Social Club. And he invited a couple of the L.A.-based members of that club to come to the party that I was throwing. Are you following me? One of the members of the DSC, of Milo Ventimiglia's DSC, was a Los Angeles girl by the name of Ann Ora, also known today as Ann Campia. So Ann came to that party because she was a fan of Milo. She was a part of his social club. Ann got to come to that party. I met her for the first time there. The next day, Milo was on my, my live show. And Anne was one of the callers into the show. She left her information with my producers. So Anne and I connected. We had a first date and Anne and I have been together ever since. Now, the only reason Milo wasn't at our wedding, the only reason Milo Ventimiglia wasn't at our wedding is because he was overseas at the time. But uh, we did invite Milo to come to the wedding because we met because of him. Some of you have heard this story before, so it's old hat, but yeah. So Milo... Because of Milo and my two friends, Mark Neveldeen and Brian Taylor, who also wrote and directed the uh, Jason Statham Crank movies, Crank and Crank 2. So they also did that. So Milo, Mark, and Brian are the three guys that basically introduced me to Anne. And they're responsible for me knowing Anne. So for the rest of my life, I am going to owe a large debt of gratitude to uh, Mark Neveldeen, Brian Taylor, And of course, Milo Ventimiglia. 
I'm going to owe a, a deep debt of gratitude to those three guys because they are the ones who are responsible for me and Ann meeting. And we've been together ever since. So there you go. That's what, uh, that's what Bob, uh, or sorry, where are we at? That's what Xavier is referring to. That's what Xavier is referring to. Uh, and by the way, our friend Mukbang Review sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Mukbang. Appreciate that dude very much. Okay. So there you go. There, there's that little story for the day. Let's move on here. Uh, Royce Freeman writes, I know you said you think Spider-Man will go back to Sony. Yes, I do. Uh, would you ever want to film where Spider-Man, Punisher, Daredevil, Kingpin were in it? I know movies and comics are different, but Punisher's origin story is in a Spider-Man comic. Uh, let's put it this way. Would I go out of my way? Like, do I want them to make that movie? No. But if they made it, would I be interested in it? Sure, I would. Absolutely. I told, yeah, I'd be totally interested if they made it. But am I sitting here going, man, I really hope they make a movie with Spider-Man and Punisher and Daredevil and Kingpin all together. Nah, not really. To me, that sounds more messy than anything. But if they did it, would I be interested? Sure. If they announced it tomorrow, I'd be down. But, you know, if if the heads of Sony called me and said, hey, John, you know, give us a movie you want us to make, that's not the movie I'm telling them. But if they did it, I'd be interested in it, Royce, as much as anybody else, I think. All right, next up. Dangerous D writes, hey, John, HBO Max is reportedly considering rebooting Gotham. No, 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 they're not. Uh, okay, well, let's finish reading the question, then I'll tell you what's actually going on. Is, is reportedly re, uh, rebooting Gotham. I have a question. Why? Uh, it, it wasn't that big of a popular hit. And why mind the Batman universe so much? Gotham, Pennyworth, Batwoman, Titans. They know they are a library of 90 years of superhero characters. Doom Patrol is a great example. If they could be more bold and take characters out of the vault, just like Marvel is doing, uh, some may be good or bad, but should take more chances in characters like Metal Man, Booster Gold, Dr. Fate, etc. Um, well, I, I don't agree with you, Dangerous D, just so you know, I don't agree with you, but let's talk specifically about Gotham for a second. They are not rebooting Gotham. Um, it is a totally different thing. The Gotham TV series that was on Fox was a very specific show in its own very specific little universe, right? That was about a young Jim Gordon, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, right? This Gotham is a very different Gotham. This Gotham series that they're making is going to kind of be in the same cinematic universe, not sort of, it is the Gotham in the same cinematic universe as the upcoming Robert Pattinson Batman movie. So it's a very different show. It's not just rebooting it. It's not just relaunching it. It's a completely different show. That happens in Gotham City, yes, but it's a very, very different thing. It's a very different thing. And by the way, Marvel didn't take a lot of big chances until they got to Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, they pretty much went with their most safe lineup until they were really big and popular and they had won over the audience. Because what they lead with, they were with Hulk, they were with Iron Man, with Captain America, with Thor. Like, these are the safer choices. But they laid that groundwork, and then the audiences loved them, the critics loved them, they were making money at the box office, they were really, really successful. And then once all that was going on and they had Avengers happen, then they were able to start taking some bigger risks. The biggest one, of course, came with Guardians of the Galaxy. Everybody forgets today that Guardians of the Galaxy, when they came out with that, that was a huge risk. 
It's a big popular franchise now, but at the time, ain't nobody ever heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. Very, very few people even knew what it was. But it didn't get to that until they established it. And listen, quite frankly, the DC Universe stuff is not in the same position yet that Marvel was in by the time they tried doing Guardians of the Galaxy. They've really got to get themselves established again. They've got to get themselves established with a good succession of good, solid, successful films in a row. Then you start rolling the dice a little bit more. But that's just me. That's just my take on it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, okay, next up. We've go to uh, Reptar John writes. Uh, did you know that Ted Lasso was originally a skit from eight years ago? Yes, it was a, like a commercial. He was a character in a commercial for NBC Sports um, starring Jason Studakis. I just found out today while on YouTube, uh, search an American coach in London, NBC Sports. It has a lot of the same jokes from the first episodes. I just had no idea. Yep, that's what it was based on. That's what it was totally based on. And so delightful. Listen, I thought when I first heard the idea for Ted Lasso, I thought it sounded like a stupid show. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it sounded stupid. And it is ridiculous. Uh, an American football coach who knows nothing about soccer, like not the first thing about soccer, hired to be a soccer coach in an English soccer league. That's so stupid. But the show works so well. It's such a brilliant show, man. And yeah, that was, those are the origins of it. Uh, by the way, uh, Luis Riaz sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. Appreciate that, dude. Okay, let's move on here. Uh, Ethan Holgate writes, Hey, John, I think that's mad that you get invitations to the AVN Awards. Like, who sends those? Uh, I've seen some clips on YouTube when the porn actors... Uh, accept, I think, I don't think you meant accept, I think you meant accept, accept their awards. And honestly, I find it so unintentionally funny how seriously they take it. Well, now, hold on. Time out for a second, Ethan Holgate. Okay. All joking aside for a second. Of course they take it seriously. This is their profession. And they are, as much as we may snicker about it, they are the best in the world at what they do. What they do may be porn, but they are the best in the world at what they do. And guess what? Their industry makes more money than the NBA and the NFL put together. Wrap your heads around that for a second. Wrap your heads around that for a second. The industry that they do makes more money every year than the NBA and the NFL combined. And so, when they celebrate, when they have their Oscars, known as the AVN Awards, when they hold their Oscars every year, and somebody in that industry wins an award being recognized by their peers as being the best in what they do, of course they take that seriously. I get that you and I may snicker at it. Sure, best girl-on-girl -girl scene. But, but don't for a minute take that away from them. That they not only work in a really, really big industry, they work in a very competitive industry. An extremely cutthroat competitive industry. Because there's a lot of money at stake. And so, yeah, guess what? When they win one of those awards, hell yes. Damn right they should take it seriously. 
And damn right, they should be happy about it. So, I mean, yeah, I have never personally accepted any of the invitations to the AVNs. Um, I've always been tempted to go and just check it out to see what it's like to be there in person. But, I mean, hey, listen, just because it's not what you do and it's not what I do, and it's not what I would hope my daughter would do, or I'm sure hope that your daughter would do, hey, these are people in a big money industry that's really competitive and really cutthroat. And if they get recognized by their industry as being the best at something, give them their moment, man. Give them their moment. Raise a glass. Say, well done. It ain't easy to do what they do. They take a lot of criticism and a lot of flack, and I'm sure a lot of them have a lot of family issues and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, but they work in an industry that makes a lot of money and is extremely competitive. And when they win an award, there were probably 500 other people in line wishing they could have won that award. So, hey, give them their due, man. Give them their due. So, anyway, that's just me. All right. Uh, Next up. And one of these days, maybe I will go. Maybe I will accept an invitation one of these days and go to the AVNs. All right. Next up. Uh, Jonathan writes, unpopular opinion. Not a fan of the Bourne series. I remember watching some of the original movies and I just found it super boring. Uh, even the, the newer Bourne movie, I was checking my watch. I don't know why, but the series is dull, flat, not my thing. Sorry. Hey, listen, man, all film is subjective. And listen, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a huge fan of the first Bourne movie. It was the third one that I really loved. Like, I thought the second one was better than the first, and then I thought the third one was fantastic. This latest one, where it's like born fighting Facebook sort of thing, I thought it was terrible. I thought the newest Born movie was terrible. And so you're not alone, and it's all subjective. But yeah, I, I really do... I really do love the third one. I quite like the second one. I really love the third one, but I could give or take, I could take or leave. I should say the, uh, the first and the fourth, the first and the fourth. I could, I could, uh, take or leave. All right. Only got a few questions left here, guys. We're going to be wrapping it up, uh, up here soon. Uh, next up, uh, we've got Jonathan who writes true story. When I was in ninth grade, I checked out two books from the library, The Shining and Born Identity. I read the latter first, and it didn't hold my interest. The Shining scared the shit out of me. That's when I became a King fan. There you go. Uh, what's What was your intro to him? Oh, God. Uh, probably. What was my intro to him? Okay, you got to go way back. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Stephen King. Uh let me, okay, you got to go way back to when I was a kid, right? So you're asking me what was my intro to him. Let me see if any of you guys in the live chat know, know what I'm going to say. I'll throw it to you right now. Just let me know if you know what I'm going to say. If you take a guess which, which movie I'm going to say, yeah, Lori is the first one right out of the gate. Lori, right out of the gate, got it. Cujo. Because I grew up, I always grew up with dogs, man. I've been a dog guy my whole life. I've literally had dogs my whole life. Like whether it was with my family and now Ann and I have dogs as well, but I've had dogs my whole life. But Cujo was the one that I was really like, oh my God. Like that's, I just, I love Cujo. I love Cujo. I don't know why I love Cujo as much as I did, but I absolutely loved Cujo. So that was my introduction to King. And, and yeah, there's some other ones in there as well. Pet Cemetery uh, is, is, you know, a great one. Carrie uh was great as well and he's done a whole bunch ever since you but Cujo Cujo 
that's the one that really, uh, that's the one that got me. All right. Thanks for that, Jonathan. Next up. Bob Paycheck writes, Hey, John, one, I rewatched the original Matrix last night, and I have to say it's now one of my favorite movies. Two, I remember the other day another user asked what you thought of Candyman. What were your thoughts? Interested to know. Uh, love the show. Well, thank you so much, Bob. And yeah, I mean, the original Matrix is like a great all time classic. Uh, the other two, not so much, but the first one was. Candyman is, is an interesting one. First of all, I got to say about Candyman. I had no idea. I thought Candyman was a reboot. I thought it was a total reboot when I when I sat down to watch it. I had no idea it was actually a sequel to the original. It kind of did what Halloween did, where it kind of ignored the other Candyman movies. And it's just, it's really a sequel to the original. And I had no idea about that. No clue when I sat down to watch it. And I had no clue that Abdul Mateen was actually playing the baby from the first movie. I had no idea. So that was all kind of a pleasant surprise to me. I don't know how I didn't know that going into it, but I guess I kept myself pretty much in the dark about it. I'm, I'm going to say right out, I did not love the new Candyman. I didn't love it. Um, it certainly has its moments, and they go they go way more into it. It's, it's almost not even like a horror movie. It's like... It's very much a Jordan Peele kind of movie. He layers a lot of social commentary, things they call generational. Um, uh, what's it? Generational suffering was that the na- the phrase for it? I, I can't remember exactly. But he 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 layers a lot of meaning and a lot of allegory and a lot of like modern comment social commentary stuff in it. That was not bad. It's just that for me, it sometimes felt out of place. For a Candyman movie. But anyway, when you get to the end of it and you realize really what Candyman is and all that kind of stuff, it's interesting. So I liked it. I did. I I mean, I liked it enough that I thought I'm excited because the girl who directed Candyman is directing Marvels. And I thought she directed it with a very apt hand. Um, so I'm I'm it's made me more excited for Marvels. But I don't know. I almost felt like they were trying to do too much. If that's, if you know what I mean, it it almost felt like they were trying to do too much in the movie. Overall, I liked it. I thought it was enjoyable. It was a really pleasant surprise finding out it was actually like a sequel in many ways. Um, I thought it was directed well. I thought it was very ambitious what they were going for. Again, I just kind of felt like maybe they were overreaching a bit. They were trying to do a little bit too much, and it kind of made it feel a little hollow at times. So I liked it. Thumbs up from me. I didn't love it, but that's just me. All right, thanks for that, Bob. And uh, next up, and the final question we're going to take here today for this installment of After Dark comes to us from Matt Finch, who writes... Hey, John, love the show, man. Thank you. So I tipped in like $20. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that, man. Uh, Been a while since I wrote in, and sorry if this has already been asked. I'm trying to catch up on recent vids, but have you seen Squid? That's another one for Squid Game. Have you seen Squid Game yet on Netflix? So unbelievably good and binge-worthy. South uh, South Korea again puts out great work. Again, no. Never, Never even heard of it. I never even heard of it. And you are the second person tonight to recommend Squid Game. Second one tonight to recommend it. And I have not, again, to me, it sounds like a cooking competition show, a seafood cooking competition show. Coming up next on Squid Game. 
or maybe one of those porns that are going to be nominated at the AVN Awards next on Squid Game. I'll I'll let you figure out what that means. I I don't know. I'm, it, it sounded like a good thing to say in my head, but now I, maybe I kind of take it back. At any rate, at any rate, no. But you are the second person tonight to recommend that uh, to recommend that show. So I just may have to go and check it check it out at some point. I may just have to go and check it out. Okay, guys, that'll do it. For tonight's installment of John Campia After Dark, thank you so much, guys, for being here and getting dark with me. I love, you know what? I really do enjoy these evening streams. They're much more laid back. They're much more relaxed. I don't have the, the I mean, don't get me wrong. The show is everything. The John Campia show is everything. But getting to come in here at night when it's a little more laid back, we're just taking the live questions. I have fun with it. Seeing all you guys chatting in the live board uh, as well. It's good to have all you guys here. Thank you to all you guys who just sent in super chat badges in the live chat for no other reason except to be supportive. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate that very much. Big thank you to all you guys who, guys who sent in the live uh, comments and questions for the John Campus show that we read here. Not just because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but also you supported the channel as well. And if you want to get a question in for the John Campus show tomorrow, start sending them in now, man, because you'll, they'll probably get on the show tomorrow. Simply use the uh, tip link that's down in the description of the video. Or you can write it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be seeing your comment or question read on the show or a companion video or an after dark if your comment or question is appropriate for our show. And of course, you're supporting the channel at the same time. So guys, thanks a lot for being here. Uh, my name's John Campion. Until we get dark next time, bye bye <laughs>